Uh, turn with me, please, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. We've got incredible young people here. And um, there's no way humanly possible we can take credit. It's not because of us. There, there's no such thing as just one individual that puts out a youth group. There's a, a team, there's a, a church. The reason this church tonight stands the way it does and the reason there's a crowd the way it is is because this church has not forgotten to reach youth. They've not, for, they've not put the money in, in buildings. They've not put the money in nicer things. They've not put the, the money in, in, in uh, building marble palaces. And they've put it into people. They put it into uh, crusty buses. <laughs> you know, they put it into buildings. They put it into going 30, 40 miles and reaching young people and programs, camps, youth conference, and so on. Would you... Look at, uh, with me in Acts chapter 13. We're going to go to verse 22. Very familiar phrase. An incredible compliment that God can give a man. Matter of fact, I think this is the only man that's ever received this compliment. Would you read it with me? Would you read? We're in Acts 13, verse 22. Could, could you read that with me, please? It says, And when he had removed them, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony, and said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Let's read verse 23. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. What a compliment! I don't think that compliment's ever been given to any, any man. David holds the, the one and only compliment from God that says, you are a man after my own heart. Not only are you a man after my own heart, but because of you and your faithfulness, you are going to be the one that's going to bring through the Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What an incredible compliment. I want you to go down a little bit further in Acts chapter 13, and let's go down to verse 36. Would you read that with me? It says, for... David, after he had served his what? Own generation by the will of God fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. Here's David gets an incredible compliment from God, never given to any other man. Here's David that the Bible says of him that he served his own generation. Here's David, the, the, the king that even to this day, there are some people that believe that that, that, that David's uh, uh, kingdom is going to come back and he's going to come back and rule. I have been to Israel. I have been to David's tomb. It is just massive rock and it's covered with a, with a like kind of a royal shawl and women come in one way and men come in the other and they stand there and they, and they pray. They bow and they, they pray in front of David's tomb. They're just a humongous rock. And people believe that one day perhaps God's going to raise him up and there's going to be another kingdom. And, and we think of David and we think, man, what a good man. Sure, David had his flaws. David had his Bathsheba. David had his not being able to build the temple. Yes, David had where God went ahead and chastised David. But at the end of it, the testimony is David was a man after my own heart. And I brought the Lord Jesus Christ through him or, or with his help through him. We look at that. And we look at the fact that David served, the Bible says, his own generation. 
And I think in here right now, is, is, especially in the last week where we've had so many funerals and we've had some just key pillars of, like Pastor says, just some key pillars of the assembly that have gone on to heaven. And you see those people when they finish their race and uh, you, you see as they serve their generation well. There's a lot of people in here, I, you know, you're, you are, uh, you're graying or you're balding or you're aging or you're bending and, you know, just age is catching up with you. And I look at you and you've served your generation well. And that you have in common with David. I think of all the years I've worked with Brother Eddie. I think I've worked with Brother Eddie probably longer than any uh, man uh, in ministry. I've just, I mean, way back when uh, at 700 Sibley, I was a teenager and he's uh, about, uh, I don't know, 30 years older than me or something like that. But uh, he, uh, and, and we served down there and, and uh, I see as Brother Eddie is, is no longer the, you know, an active youth pastor, but he served his generation well. Did a great job. There's a lot of you in here that you were in Brother Eddie's youth group. Brother Eddie not only served his generation well, but then he reproduced himself. And so I was one of those kids in the youth group, and Brian Hassey was one of those kids in those youth group, and a lot of you that teach Sunday school were kids in his youth group, and he served his generation well. David served his generation well. There's many in here that serve their generation well. But did David really serve his generation? All David was just mighty king. David won all these wars. David was well known. I want you to go with me, if you would please, to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 18. There's one of the saddest stories of David's son, Absalom. And Absalom is a rebel, and Absalom is, you know, he's Goldilocks. He's got the beautiful uh, uh, flock of hair, and he's, and he's riding, and he gets caught up. And then Joab comes, and he takes the darts, and, he, and uh, along with Joab's men, and they, and they kill Absalom. One of the saddest things I, I read here is David has this cry wanting to know what happens to his son. And it's in 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 9. And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boles of a great oak. And his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. And then if you'll look at verse 11, And Job said unto the man that told him, And behold, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels. And if you'll look, we're going to move down a little bit. If you go down to verse 29, now Absalom is killed. These two messengers are running to David, and David peeks out his palace, and he sees the two messages, uh, messengers. And it was customary for messengers to be running to the palace. A lot of time they would figure out if it was friend or foe, but David had already had it in his mind that these were friends and that they would bring good tidings. And in verse 29, this is the tiding, and the king said, is the young man safe? And Ahimaaz has answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me, thy servant, I saw great tumult, but I knew not what it was. I think one of the saddest questions in Scripture is when a, you, you read this, and don't read it from the vantage point of a king. Read it from the vantage point of a father. By the way, notice David did not say, Is my son safe? His son was in absolute rebellion against him. 
If you read through there, and we don't have the time, but if you read through there, none of the messengers mentioned that that was David's son. They referred to him as the enemies of the king. They referred to him as a man, but they did not refer to him by name, nor did they say he was the son of the king. And in verse 32, here's the second question that he comes and he asks. He says, and the king said unto Cushai, is the young man Absalom safe? One of the saddest stories in the Bible, one of the saddest questions of a father, forget that he's king. He is in absolute tumult and turmoil because I think he knows that the answer is, your son's dead. Your son was the enemy. Your son has been killed. I said that David served his generation well. There's a lot of uh, people in here. You have served your generation well. And maybe you're already in, your, in the later stages of life. By the way, if you'll look in this auditorium, within an arm's reach of almost anybody in here, is the next generation. Within arm's reach. If you'll stretch out somewhere very close, will be the next generation. Listen to me. This is what I'm getting at. David served his generation well. But David did not prepare for the coming generation. His son should have been the coming king. His son should have taken his place. His son should have been the one that would have someday reigned in his stead. But David prepared for his generation and he did well. But David, there's a son. David, you didn't prepare well for that son. And that son is now dead. I want to challenge you tonight just a kind of a, a little bit of an encouragement that, man, I'm so glad you prepared, and I'm so glad that you've, many of you have run your course and you've run your race, and I'm so glad that so many of you have done well and you've brought up children and your children are adults, but uh, I want you to listen to me. There's a coming generation. That generation will either be the king's son or he'll be another Absalom. People say, well, young people today don't want to know about Christ. They don't want to know about God. I don't think that's true. I I just think we just don't have enough people that believe in the next generation. I think we look at young people and say, we stereotype them. They don't want to know God. They're atheists. They, They like this. They dress that way. They do this and that. And the truth is, I just happen to think there's not enough people out there. Brother Hiles would say that every young person would turn out right if they just knew that somebody loved them. As you run your course and as you run your race and as you say, I have finished and I have served my generation well, What are you leaving for the coming generation? You know why this church is strong today? Because those of you who have served your course, you've left something for us. You've left something for us. I haven't been back to schools for 40 plus years, a Hiles Anderson College for 50 years, a City Baptist Schools for 40 something years, a bus ministry since, you know, I don't know, since we got off the ark. I mean, we've had all these things that have been left by people that remembered the coming generation. I want to encourage you tonight. 
This is to the church family. This is to every college student. Remember the coming generation. Remember that there is a young man that he can either be another Absalom or he can be the king's son. I'm just going to give you three very simple ways on how to help the coming generation. Number one, I want you to notice that what got Absalom in trouble was bad counsel. He listened to some people that said, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Absalom, we have your back. You'll be better than your, you'll be better than your, your father. He listened to Ahithophel and he listened to some others and said, yeah, just listen to us, man. You're, you know, you're young, we're young, and you know what? We got this. How can I help the coming generation? Give them good counsel. And may, and may, I, just, may I just encourage you? That counsel's got to be from this book. And I'm just, not, I'm not saying that because I'm a preacher. I'm saying that because I really believe that if this book is not prevalent in the lives of young people, then you might, it doesn't need a psychology book, doesn't need a psychiatry book. Our young people need the word of God. Yeah. It needs, they need good counsel, not your opinion. Not what you think works better. Not what you read in the book and not what you saw somewhere else. They need good counsel. They need biblical counsel. They need counsel that's consistent. They need counsel that uh, does not tear down the man of God and the pastor, but they need counsel that goes right in line with what the man of God is saying and what the pastor is preaching. You want to serve the next generation? Get good counsel. Give them good counsel. Parents, can I, I'm not a parent, so take this for whatever it's worth. I know sometimes we, we as parents want to live, or you, you as parents, I'm not a parent, but you as parents want to live subliminally through your kids. Well, son, I always wanted to be a pilot. I think you ought to be a pilot. I always want to be an engineer. I think you ought to be an engineer. Someone needs to say, I've always wanted to follow the will of God, and I can't wait for you to do it. I've always wanted someone in our family to, to serve God so I could serve along with them. The coming generation needs good counsel. Second, the coming generation needs good friends. Man, you know what got Absalom in trouble? The hoodlums he was hanging with. And let me say this. Parents, don't take things for granted. Oh, my kid's going to church. He's fine. What a better place for the devil to reach him than in church. Where do you think the devil works more? He probably walk in these halls saying, let me find this some kid. But we need good friends. What got Absalom in trouble? He had bad counsel and he had horrible friends. Did David serve his generation? Well, he did. But David forgot about the coming generation. Forgot that he had a son. At the end, he says... Is the young man safe? Is the young man safe? It's a cry of desperation. Hey, I hope we never have to have a cry of desperation at First Baptist Church, and we have to say, what happened to the teens? What happened to the youth program? Why are the kids going to, to, to the devil? Why are the kids living like the world? I hope we never have that cry of desperation. Let's have good friends. By the way, we always preach about kids having good friends. How about mommy and daddy having good friends? 
How about bus workers having good friends? Let me hit the... How about ministry people having good friends? That's why I don't associate with Brother Eddie anymore. But... Uh, By the way, we always preach to the kids about things they ought to do. We always tell them about things they need to be, be careful of. Let, let's start with our own lives. Yeah. Let's look in the picture and say, Ricky Torres, what's wrong with you? Ricky Torres, what do you read? Who do you listen to? Where do you go? Who are your friends? And then can I very sincerely give you a third point? They need good examples. They need good examples. You know one of the best compliments that's ever paid First Baptist Church by people that come here and visit is, wow, didn't skip a beat. It was just like I was here 30 years ago. It was just like I was here 40 years ago. It was just like I was here 50 years. That doesn't mean we're outdated and old-fashioned. That means what's good and godly still works. That means the gospel still works. That means people are still being reached. That means Christ is still being magnified and glorified. We need good examples. I'm afraid sometimes when we see young people go bad, I think we always want to point at all the external factors. Everything that's outside the door of our home when a lot of the bad examples start within the home. A few weeks ago, I was tired. We've had a long week, and we just finished up a school revival. It was excellent. Pastor Dustin Moore from Chicago came, and good, and got interrupted by weather on Sunday night and Wednesday. And the Lord worked. It was long, those are long days. It started 6 a.m. to end at midnight, three days, 18 hours, boom. And I, it came, Pastor, I'm going to confess something. Father, forgive me. Uh, I, I, it was Wednesday afternoon, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to Chicago because the kids have been with me for three days, and I can't take any more of them. You know, after three days, they're like, like fish and dead people. They begin to stink. Get out, leave me alone. And, uh, and I was going to go up there. And you know what I thought to myself? Oh, I'm going to watch online. I called Zeta. I said, Zeta. I think we're going to watch online. About 30 minutes of Lobo, the Holy Spirit gave me a beating. The Holy Spirit said, if you could go, you should go. I'm like, okay, okay but, but I don't want to. And we got up and came. Why? So there's no, there's no kids in my house to watch me an exam, as an example. But there's a lot of people here. Let's prepare for the next generation. Hey, hey, listen, I'm so glad you're, you're like King David and X. You serve your generation. Thank you. I wouldn't be here without you. But how about the coming generation? Let's give them good counsel. Let's be good friends. Let's leave them a good example. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'll have pastor come, but could you leave something? Would you leave something for the next generation? Would you just not serve your generation and say, I did my part, I'm done. Could you leave something?
that God could use? Could you leave a good example? Could you leave something for this next generation so that in a hundred years it could be said First Baptist Church is an incredible church because First Baptist Church reaches young people? 